Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I will never forget that day and the horrific things that happened. I can remember it so well. It all started one day my sophomore year of high school. I was sitting in the back of the classroom with Greg and Lizzie. The three of us were really close, since we practically grew up together as neighbors. Lizzie was so pretty. God, I still remember her face. She grew up so quick and people probably wondered what she was doing hanging out with two losers like us. But she never lost sight of what mattered. God. I miss her. So anyway, there we were, minding our own, when Hunter came marching over. Hunter was Lizzie's new boyfriend. Lizzie would tell me how creepy Hunter was and that she was going to break things off. Anyways, Hunter started talking about this abandoned soundstage on the edge of town. He said he hangs out there all the time. He told us after school, we should all go chill there. Lizzie pulled Greg and I aside and insisted that we come along too. She told us she didn't trust Hunter and wasn't sure if he was telling the truth about this place. We agreed to go along with them. The school day ended, and the students filed out of the building. Hunter gathered us around and said the soundstage was just a mile through the woods by the school. The whole situation didn't feel right to me, but I decided to see it through. If anything, I had my friend Greg as backup in case something happened. The four of us started our journey through the woods. After what seemed like 10 minutes of walking, sure enough, an ugly gray building appeared. As we approached the building, Hunter said, this is an abandoned soundstage, you know, like they use for movies. Greg was quick to point out that soundstages were generally used for TV shows over movies. Sure enough, as we got closer to the building, I noticed it had faded posters on the walls. One was titled, The Greatest Show, and another one said, Live Studio Audience. A big sign above the door read, Soundstage 24. Huh, I guess Hunter wasn't lying after all, I thought to myself. Lizzie voiced what we were all thinking. Where the hell did this spring up from? We've lived here our whole lives and never heard of any TV shows being made here. Hunter went up to the front door and tried to turn the handle. The door was locked. That's strange. The last time I was here, the door was unlocked, said Hunter. Well, maybe that is a sign we should turn around and head back, I replied. Hunter didn't take no for an answer. He stepped back from the door and got a running start. His body slammed the door with all his weight. He fell to the ground. The door still didn't budge. All of a sudden, I heard a locking mechanism and the deadbolt moving inside the door handle. The door slowly creaked open by itself. The hallway was long, dark, and narrow. It was so dark compared to the outside, I could barely see. Then a row of spotlights flickered on all along the walls. Welcome, welcome, contestants. A proud, charming voice called out. I see it's boys club tonight with a fair lady to set them straight. How about it, folks? 
Let's give them a hand. An invisible audience boomed with cheers and screams. We just stood, frozen. We looked around but couldn't see where the voice or cheers were coming from. Now, folks, you remember the rules. Play the game and win your way to freedom. Lose the game and you know what happens. The voice chuckled darkly. Lizzie yelled at Hunter. This prank isn't funny anymore. I, I don't know what is happening, Hunter replied. The winner takes it all. Boys and girls, are you ready? Screw this, said Hunter. He turned back to the door, but just as it had opened by itself, it closed just as swiftly. The only way is forward, boys and girls. We didn't have a choice. We continued forward down the hallway. The passage opened up into a room. As soon as all four of us stepped in, a hidden door behind us sealed off the way back. In front of us was an obstacle course. Below the course was about a 20-foot drop into a brightly colored ball pit. If you fell into the ball pit, it looked like there was no way out. There was a set of monkey bars leading to the other platform, across the ball pit. The voice boomed over the loudspeaker again. Your first challenge is simple, kids. Find your way to the end of the course, or find your way to the end of your lives. What? He didn't just say that, did he? I said out loud. We all looked at each other. Any shade of curiosity now morphed into fear and, frankly, anger. What made it worse was that the voice sounded almost like he was laughing while he said it. Screw this, man! Hunter shouted, and for once I agreed with him. He grabbed Lizzie's arm. Come on, we're going. No, I don't think we can, she protested, and she was right. Suddenly, the wall behind us started to move in from behind us. It was going to push us off the platform. Our standing space started shrinking before our eyes. Very good, the voice chanted. Now we're cooking with hot oil. Don't dilly-dally. The walls show no sign of stopping. I remember my eyes darting to the ball pit. I didn't want the voice to win. But what choice did we have? We need to go, I shouted. I went first and grabbed the monkey bars. Liz and Greg were right behind me. After about 20 seconds on the bars, we made it to the other side. In the distance, I could hear faint cheers and applause. I looked back and noticed Hunter was still on the platform. The wall behind him was now close to pushing him into the pit. Hunter, what are you doing? Hurry up and go, Lizzie screamed. This is all a bunch of BS. I'm going to wait and see what happens. The wall bumped into him and pushed him into the ball pit. We glanced down and didn't see him. Finally, his head surfaced. He yelled up at us. See guys, it's not so bad after all. So how exactly are you going to get out? I asked. There's probably a way on the bottom, he replied. All of a sudden, a metal covering started to go across the ball pit. It was forming a dome on top of the foam pit. Hunter started screaming. Once the covering extended to both sides, the screaming stopped. Looks like we've had our first knockout, folks. (laughs) Some kids just aren't built for this course. The voice echoed. A deep chuckle peppered his words. I looked at Lizzie and I could see the horror in her eyes. We walked to the next room in silence. The only sound was our heavy breathing from the physical exertion of the previous course. The next room was like something out of a demonic Willy Wonka book. A gushing stream was rushing right through the center of it. There was a boat latched onto the side. I'm assuming we'd have to row the boat to the other side of the stream. Step forward and choose a place, players. The voice chimed happily. We looked down at the floor markers. There were three circles on the ground in front of us. One was labeled farmer, the other wolf. The next one was goat, and the last spot was labeled lettuce. Screw this. Greg held up his middle finger to the ceiling, as if that's where the voice came from. You already put us through that obstacle course. We're not doing whatever this is. Please, Lizzie started, quietly. Just stop. I don't know if she was talking to Greg or the voice. Uh Uh-oh, 
Why the long face? The voice taunted. Sounds like we need some encouragement from our studio guardians. Once again, it was as if I could hear cheering from far away. Whoever they were, they were excited. From the shadows behind us stepped out four figures. That's the only way I can describe them. Human-sized, dark shapes. I have no idea if they were human or not, but they scared the shit out of us. Even Greg looked terrified when they stood over him. What do we think, folks? Want to give it another try? The voice offered. Greg nodded and the guardians disappeared. Good, chimed the voice. Now pick a spot on the ground. Chop, chop. Excuse me, Lizzie piped up. But there are four markers and only three of us. Sounds like we need a volunteer. The voice was sarcastic now, a little annoyed. One of the Black Guardian figures appeared again and moved silently to the space labeled Farmer. We each picked a space. Greg was the wolf, Lizzie the goat, and that made me the cabbage. This is one of our favorite games, the river adventure. Our humble farmer wishes to transport his goat, his wolf, and his cabbage. However, he can only fit one of these in his boat as well as himself. I glanced over at the guardian's face. Well, what I thought was its face. It didn't react. However, if the farmer leaves the wolf with the goat, the wolf will eat the goat. And if he leaves the goat with the cabbage, you guessed it, the goat will eat the cabbage. So, let's see what you can come up with. And he went quiet. I'd say that made it easier to think, but the guardian made us all nervous. Greg made a suggestion. Guys, let's just move the wolf over first, then the goat, then the cabbage. Lizzie explained that meant leaving the wolf and goat unattended at the other side. The wolf would surely eat the goat in this made-up game. We went through every conceivable combination, all the while the guardian just watched silently. Well, it felt like it was watching. We must have been there for hours trying to come up with a plan. Occasionally, we would ask the guardian to step on the boat and off again, just to test if he was even capable of manning the boat. What was bizarre is the guardian never really took steps. He would just glide across the ground. It was the strangest thing. After what felt like hours, we came up with a solid strategy. The trick was in his wording. He never mentioned anything about return trips. The guardian first took Lizzie, the goat, across to the other side on the boat. Then the guardian came back to my side. Me being designated as cabbage hopped onto the boat. As soon as the boat got to the other end, I switched with Lizzie the goat. If Lizzie, the goat, and I, the cabbage were both left alone on one side, without the farmer, Lizzie would be able to eat me in this hypothetical game. Lizzie hopped back in with the guardian, who was the farmer, to go back for Greg, the wolf. Once the boat reached the other side, Lizzie and Greg switched spots at once, and Greg came back to my side with the guardian, leaving Lizzie, the goat, by herself back at the beginning. Finally, the guardian retrieved her, and we all made it to the other side, successfully completing this part of the game. Voices cheered again in the distance, then the voice came back on through the loudspeaker. Well done and congratulations on the second task, the voice bellowed. I thought you'd like that one. Suddenly, Greg ran and tried to tackle the guardian. He couldn't grasp its form. He just ran straight through him as if he wasn't even there. Greg, what are you doing? Lizzie begged. It's him. Greg shouted back, if I can just get off this damn mask. But deep down, I think we all knew the voice did not belong to the Guardian. The voice was surely coming through a loudspeaker of sorts. The Guardian pushed Greg into the murky water. All of a sudden, a bunch of other Guardians appeared. They swarmed around Greg like phantoms. Greg screamed out in pain and tried reaching out for us. His shape quickly disappeared within the horde of Guardians into the murky water. The loudspeaker came on again. Once a cheater, always a cheater. Am I right, folks? The voice laughed and the door in front of us opened. Silently, we passed through. 
This was the smallest room yet. No gimmicks or ball pits or rivers. Just a table with a single bottle on it. Now this is where it gets interesting, the voice announced. Our star-crossed lovers must choose their destiny and make the ultimate sacrifice. In that bottle resides a deadly poison. Only one may drink it. After all, we all remember what happened to cheaters. Shiver ran down both our spines. So go ahead, lovebirds. Show us who loves the other most. Please, Jake, don't. It's not worth it, Lizzie begged me. Whatever he says, he can't keep us here forever. But I was done. I said out loud, enough with these games, enough with the tricks. I grabbed the bottle and downed it in one. If any of us deserved to get out of this, it was her. I closed my eyes waiting to lose consciousness, but nothing happened. I felt the same. The liquid didn't even taste of anything. It was just like water. Then I heard it. The horrible, gurgling sound from my left. I turned and Lizzie was choking, right there on the spot. I ran to her and tried to help, but she fell limp in my arms. Oh boy, what a gentleman, huh folks? Willing to take his own life for his lady love. You know, you just don't find that kind of chivalry in young men these days. What happened to her? I knew it was pointless arguing, but I had to try. What did you do? Who are you? Looks like we've got our winner, folks. Let's give him a round of applause, huh? Again, he spoke to a crowd I couldn't see. From the corner of my eye, more guardians appeared to take Lizzie away. I tried to find them off her, but like Greg, I couldn't get a grip on them. I didn't see where they took her, but when I calmed down, they were gone. The wall opened up in front of me. Well, come on, son. You're on live TV. Go out and claim your prize. I walked out slowly. There in the forest clearing, in the dying light of summer, was a brand new sports car. Wads of dollar bills in the back seat. Everything I could have asked for. I didn't know what else to do but sit in the driver's seat and start the car. The radio searched for a frequency. Thanks for playing, Junior. You've been a real good sport. The voice spoke to me through the radio. Kind. Fatherly. And don't forget your party favor. The glove box popped open by itself, and inside was a single VHS tape. It took me a few days to find a store that sold a VHS player. I got home and inserted the tape. I stood and watched in silent horror. It was a game show highlights reel of us inside the soundstage. Only, there was clearly a studio audience watching us in every room. There were cameras for different angles, laugh tracks, and fan favorites. I know for a fact that there were no cameras, no audience, just us and that voice and the guardians. Then again, I suppose any good TV show hides the strings. SCP-024 is an abandoned soundstage. It is unknown whether its special properties manifested before or after its abandonment. SCP-024 was initially discovered when a group of teenage youths broke into the abandoned compound. Upon entering SCP-024, Visitors are immediately greeted by an anonymous announcer who communicates via intercom and is able to hear and comprehend the voices of people within SCP-024. The announcer will inform the contestants that they are about to take part in a game show in which the winners will win fabulous prizes, but will also warn that the game will be extremely hazardous and that the losers will never leave SCP-024. It is at this point the announcer presents the choice of whether to stay or leave SCP-024. Contestants who accept will continue to participate in the game, while those who decline are immediately expelled from SCP-024. Contestants that win the game or decline to participate may never enter SCP-024 again, as entry is denied by an impenetrable, invisible barrier. It is then that the contestants are led to the actual game. The style, composition, and appearance of the game always changes in every individual playthrough, but the game is always centered around a long, elaborate obstacle course that the contestants must navigate through 
the rules also vary. Some playthroughs may only allow a single winner, while others encourage the creation of teams to win the game. More often than not, the obstacles seen in these games range from incredibly benign to extremely hazardous and life-threatening. As the contestants attempt to negotiate the course, the announcer will continuously update their status and actively participate in the game, often giving advice, conversing with contestants, and adding new rules. As the game progresses, the obstacles become significantly more dangerous and difficult to overcome, and it is not surprising to have the entire pool of contestants succumb to the rigors of the obstacle course. If such an event happens, the announcer will express sadness at the lack of a winner, and SCP-024 will shut down, resetting only when a new batch of contestants enter. Any attempts to break the rules, such as assaulting other contestants and deliberately bypassing obstacles, are met by extreme violence. The announcer will call out the offending contestant, who will be quickly and forcefully ejected from the course by studio guardians. These studio guardians will immediately materialize within SCP-024 when called upon by the announcer and disappear when not needed. The contestant will never be seen again. When a winner is declared, he, she will receive a random grand prize. Any contestants that have survived the course but failed to win are immediately declared losers by the announcer. The lights will switch off and the winner will immediately appear outside of SCP-024 with his, her prize while the losers completely disappear. However, the most mysterious aspect of SCP-024 is that after every game, a VHS tape or DVD will appear in the mailbox outside of SCP-024's main entrance. This recording is a complete record of the entire game that was previously played, even though winners have claimed that they had never seen any cameras or recording devices inside SCP-024. Also, more strangely, a live studio audience can be seen in the background cheering on the contestants. Again, winners have claimed not to have seen a live studio audience while inside SCP-024. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're listening on Spotify, don't forget to hit that follow button to get notified every time a new episode is released. Also, please take a second to leave a rating for the podcast. This is so important to help the podcast grow. Thank you. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA.